0: Hey everybody, welcome to Don't Sit in the Front. This week, I had Kadi Asad back on the show to talk about the 1992 movie, This Is My Life, starring Julie Kravner. It's a weird little time capsule from the 90s looking at stand-up. It's the story of Dottie Ingalls, uh, played by Julie Kravner. You'll recognize her as the voice of Marge Simpson. It's the story of her getting into stand-up and then her two daughters being alone back home and kind of the conflict between them is a weird little movie. We talked about it and also talked about kadi has been running her show called This Is Different. Uh, she's got great lineups, gets some big names on it. It's at the Nightcap in Burbank. It's just 10 bucks. That's the first Sunday of every month. The last one for this year will be November 7th. Dana Gould is headlining my favorite comic, so that's cool. People can go to kadi's profile at Asad Cati Rocks on instagram and get the link for tickets in her bio you can follow this show uh, at don't sit in the front on instagram i have a twitter but i don't really use it uh, But if you want to dm me there it's at don't underscore sit thanks everybody so much for listening um, i'm having a lot of fun with the show these days banking a couple here in the next few weeks and i got fun stuff and maybe a little uh halloween episode yeah so i'll get into my discussion with kati In the front, I'm here in the studio, aka my living room, um, with again multiple time return guest Kadi Asad.
1: Yay!
0: Um, I did want to ask you, Kadi, about I've gone to now a few of your shows. It's called This Is Different. I talked about it on the podcast a lot. I think it's a you book really good lineups, and it's a nice, affordable, outdoor, safe show in Burbank. And I wondered what have you learned about it since you've done it for a few months in a row now?
1: Um, Thank you, first of all, so much for coming. I really appreciate it. I can't express how nerve-wracking it is to produce a show and this idea of people showing up to it. Um, I've produced many years in LA. And every time it is um, a cry fest the night before leading up to the drive over because you're just like, will people come? Because sometimes you work really hard and you put flyers out and people don't come, but people have come to the show. So I think what I've learned is, um, I don't know, it's just like over time you get better at things. Mm-hmm. Um, also, this show um, is kind of the first show where I've I've talked to some... So I produced it with Caitlin Jeffers. Hi, Caitlin, who's also been on the pod. Mm -hmm. And I feel like before we started it, we kind of had a conversation about what we'd want in a show. So I feel like it's kind of the first show I've done that's a little bit the mission behind it and our strategy about why we put it on is more clear than other shows I've put on in the past, which is usually like, I want to put my friends on and Mm -hmm. I want to like... Just invite people. It's a birthday show, or it's just like a show at a bar. So I think that I think that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Just like our strategy in kind of the booking and the way we present the show is has been very thought out and is very mindful. Um, so yeah, I think that is one thing I'll take away. And also, just like Caitlin. Was like we should book big people, and I've never done that before mm-hmm. because the stress there. You know, there's just more stress like in them saying no, or just the the stress that they can just not show up. Like when you reach a level, it's like, yeah, I said yes, and now I don't feel like doing it. So yeah, you know, so, you have
0: gotten yeah. such big nationally touring names, yeah, and we're in the nightcap, which is like a nice little outdoor spot in Burbank. So it's, for me, I'm just kind of like, are you kidding me that I can see these people for this price this easily, yeah.
1: Also, that's another thing is the Nightcap has been kind of the best partner venue I've had to work with, too. Shouts out to Aaron. Um, Just like, he's done a good job of maintaining that space in general. Like, other shows there are good, and if you look at their Instagram, they have other big names there so like when we say it's at the nightcap like the bigger names are like oh i like the nightcap and then also people like in the burbank area are also like oh i like the nightcap so that also has helped us i think get people there mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah not to be confused with the good night which i think also has comedy shows but it if,
1: does if
0: there's ever like a gangs of new york style like showdown on like is that Burbank Boulevard even there? Yeah, where we meet at like the. Um, I we think would I'm meet, a, yeah, we uh, would
1: meet halfway, but then I, just like Joe K know. and I would start karaokeing. We just have a good time. <laughs> if you guys don't know Joe K, you should check him out. He basically lives at the Good Night and he's hilarious.
0: <laughs> I I really like Joe K from. He's sort of in the universe of podcasting with uh, This Is Rad and is like a. Uh, it's like my, one of my favorite podcasts, and he's on there a lot. So I'm. Well acquainted with the comedy of Joe K.
1: Joe K. is a sweetie, and I I love him so much. And uh, yeah, so no, yeah, only good vibes to the Good Night, and I've I've appreciated doing shows there. It's it's also just they're very different. Like the Good Night is really wild, mm-hmm. like. When the karaoke crowd shows up, have mercy because they are, if they don't get their karaoke in the time they were told, they will riot. And like, (laughs) so you got to watch out for that. But also, like, when you win them over, like, they're the best. They're like such a great crowd, too. Like, Mm. even just I was hosting an open mic with Joe K there, and like, I, I don't know I like did some comedy and then I was like okay time to start the mic and they were like what no do more comedy and I was like thank you
0: Yeah, karaoke fans it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> rare that people everybody always talks about having to perform at a bar or something where some other thing is supposed to be happening and you're preventing it it's yeah. never the other way where they want you to continue the right, comedy yeah. I was like
1: what I was like what's that noise I was like oh they're clapping I was like oh that's different you know
0: mm-hmm. but
1: uh, it's wild and Joe K I think also produces a really funny I think it's called like the avatar her show and it's just like a picture of the blue people from the avatar now it's called but,
0: avatar reloaded oh hilarious with matrix stuff in there so it's even more confusing that's so
1: funny he yeah and like they always say that james Cameron is coming
0: yeah <laughs> it's real confusing because it it's is, like yeah. it's all of that plus really big names in comedy are yeah. on it and they're like are
1: are they, Are they could okay be with coming? This yeah. Weird, yeah. I used to do a joke where I'd say, like, Rosario Dawson wants me to come, wants you to come to the show. But then one time, Paul W. Downs actually did was on my birthday show at a bar, and I advertised that. And my sister came because it was my birthday. And then she flipped out when it was actually him. She's like, I thought you were joking like <laughs> you were joking before.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm curious too. Um, I've been. Uh, I'll test this question out. I'll say like I've been asking people, do you think comedy, stand-up comedy is back? And if it has like an asterisk on it, what is the asterisk?
1: I think it's back. I think it's back. I don't think it's going anywhere. Um, And I think it's back thanks to outdoor venues and masks. Mm. Um, And then like the people who don't like that. um, Sorry. Uh, So, but... Yeah, I think it's back. Mm. I think thanks to the vaccine and masks and outdoor venues, it's back. I think the asterisks would be, for me, it's weird because I, like I said, I've produced shows for a while and maybe the strategy wasn't as thought out, but I worked really hard to get people to come to shows. Like I I had these quinceañera shows. Like it was like a very short series of them where I was in a quinceañera dress and I did time and I it was kind of like, kind of like this is different in the sense that there was a lot of um there's a big diverse um people it wasn't just for latinx comics it was like just like people of color really to do it Mm. and um or you know diversity uh but um I worked really, really hard for people to come to those shows. I flyered in my quinceanera dress. Like Uh I went to multiple farmer's markets, flyered. I would drive to the ice house and I put flyers on people's cars. I posted Mm. about it. I shared photo albums on my Instagram. Like this is me at my real quinceanera. And like people came to the first one, which was at Comedy Central stage and that was free. And there were actually people I didn't know there. So maybe the marketing did work. And then at the Ice House, though, it was 10 p.m. on a Friday. So maybe that was it. Mm -hmm. But it was I was very upset. Like there was like 15 people there for Mm -hmm. as much work and effort as I put into it. I was why I had to work really hard to not be mad on stage. And it wasn't anyone there's fault. Like they came like. Mm -hmm. But it's just like, what does a girl got to (laughs) do to get people to come to a show? So I think that's why this is different feels kind of like a miracle because it has been so packed out every time um I think the asterisk is that people if you tell people where the show is they'll come which is Mm -hmm. like so in LA that's like not the case Mm -hmm. um I'm not in the club world I'm kind of I feel like maybe the clubs are seeing more of an asterisk in a bad way because now you have to be vaccinated and I think some of their fans or their demographic don't doesn't like that Mm -hmm. um But I've also heard from people in the clubs that the clubs are for the most part are doing fine. I know the improv isn't doing like late night shows anymore. So I don't know how that is affecting the books there. And by books, I mean like financial books, but, Mm. um, so yeah, I think the asterisk is that people are like, they're really down to go right now. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I tell certain people like who are thinking about starting a show. I'm like, do it before it runs out. Like this is kind of a golden time to start to like, canonize your own thing and like get it in front of people um
0: i think people still have the they know what it was like without it appreciate it so much more that hasn't worn off for me i have now been to enough where i can be like this show was kind of eh, like this show was amazing and i remember like why i love it and everything but at, at the base level though i still have this general appreciation where like it's amazing that we can do this at all so like i think it, people could still uh I hate the word capitalized, but can um, take advantage of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. And I also hate the word capitalized, but I find myself deeming it so much these days. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that what I say is the asterisk is that there is kind of like a, oh my God, we're so glad you're back feeling sometimes. Um, and like even little shows, um, you know, like, plug for milan patel if you haven't checked out stacks on the west side Mm. in the back of a bookstore definitely do that because that guy's really freaking funny and his coast is funny and he doesn't really book like they're like good names like they're very funny people but they're not like they're not dana gould you know they're just Mm -hmm. like people working on their way up and he always has like a full audience so like it's definitely happening for the people who are putting in the work and like I guess are also funny themselves. Like they do a good job of kind of bringing people to their show. So um, it's it's kind of a miracle in that sense. Like I've been happy to like, like it used to be in LA if you were booked on a show, there was like a 70% chance you were gonna be performing that show to the other comics on the show. Like that's just like how LA comedy has been for a long time. But Mm. now it feels like there's like only a 30% chance of that. Like very cool.
0: And I feel like, I feel like you've been hitting it really hard It just, I only have like from when we see each other and talk or like the view from social media, but there'll be now I'll see like shows I didn't know you were on and I'll see like people are taking pictures from it or something. I'm like, Oh, there's Cotty. Like you're, yeah. you're all over the place right now. So Oh
1: yeah. I'm very, I, I like to share when I'm on shows because that helps you get on other shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's been going good. It's been going well. And, uh, I appreciate, I'm very, I feel very grateful not to be a nerd, but I feel very grateful like for the comedy community and just kind of like the years I've spent here kind of building like, um, I guess a community, yeah. Of people who I think are funny and cool and also just having like good friends who will come to shows and yeah, it's, it's been really great. Mm. Yeah.
0: Uh, Then we should say something about the next This Is Different is November 7th.
1: 7th. Doors at 7, show at 7.30. We'll we'll give treats unless there is a unanimous vote that people do not like treats being thrown at them, but...
0: Uh, I've been in the crowd for a few of these treat-giving situations. It's yeah. nice to go away with a treat. It's Everyone's a little bit scared when... Cause we're gonna, <laughs>
1: yeah, we're not very good at throwing.
0: Or <laughs> well, you're also throwing into a bright light. that I don't think you see what you're hitting.
1: Yes. We did have... Alexis guest-hosted. She was amazing. I do think she maybe threw them a little too hard, but... To her credit, I did not give her any sort of guidance about throw activity. Uh, I was like, Mm. we're gonna give them treats. It's really just a way for us to banter and start the show. Um, But yeah, it'll be there. It'll be November 7th. Doors at 7, show at 7.30. We're gonna have Dana Gould and Shang Wang, who's great and also very kind, Mm. and Teresa Lee, who's really great, and Monique Moreau, who's also really great. And, um,
0: oh yeah. And then I'll say for the Cotty heads that are listening to this, oh, yeah. you were recently Coyotes. on um, Teresa Lee's podcast.
1: Yeah. You can
0: tell me anything.
1: You can tell me, listen to the episode. Mm. And let me know if you found that interesting or strangely rambling. Did
0: you listen <laughs> to it? <laughs> I thought so the format of the show is everyone uh, uh, gives Teresa Lee a secret that they want to tell them. Yeah. And I feel like yours got to a really good point from uh, just your experience in theater. And you guys talked about diversity and casting and all these kind of things and like the politics of theater and stuff. So it went like a really good place, I think. I don't think it was rambling.
1: Okay, good. Sometimes on podcasts, I walk away and I'm like, what happened? I was like, I blacked out there and I was just going and I really hope people understood what I was saying because I'm mm. not 100% sure. I did actually feel good about that. I feel like we we kind of mapped it out what we were going to talk about mm-hmm. and it, I actually was able to follow it. So that's good because sometimes I'm I'm like, I'm all over the place. But yeah, I really like, I like her a lot and I like that podcast. I also... I listen to this podcast and I also listen to her podcast. Um, You can tell me anything. It's very, very fun. Mm. Yeah.
0: Um, So Cotty Show, this is different. November 7th, Dana Gould's on it. Top comic in my life for me. So I'm excited to go. I already, I think I already got my ticket. Yeah.
1: Hell yeah.
0: So. um, You all
1: should be like James and buy your ticket.
0: (laughs) The, uh, are you getting into October at all?
1: Am I like feeling the?
0: I think you're wearing spookiness? a you're wearing a hocus pocus. Uh, oh yeah, I'm wearing a hocus shirt. pocus. This yeah. is for my
1: girls, Brooke and Alyssa. Um, we we. We like joke that we are the sisters and Brooke's the hot one and Alyssa is Bette Midler and I'm the vacuum one Mm -hmm. uh, because my personality in college wasn't as great. It's much better now, but (laughs) I feel like I was given that as an honorable mention. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I used to drink a lot. So I was not, I was funner, you could say, but for a short period of time. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that's why I honestly don't really like, I like it with Brooke and Alyssa, but Halloween in general, um, it's the time of year where the scariest movie trailers are out.
0: Oh. And
1: that really upsets me, like going back to being like a child. Like uh-huh. I remember like freaking out near the end of September because of the movie trailer situation that happens. Yeah,
0: suddenly primetime TV allows a lot scarier and violent things in and your I, purview. Yeah. I
1: used to leave the theater before the trailers because of how scary they are. Whoa. Yeah, like, I... You don't like
0: horror? So you, you're one of the people that just can't do horror movies?
1: I cannot. I will not. I saw Scream 4, and I got through that fine Um <laughs> I'm also in, a like, a comedy horror short. hmm and I debated not seeing it because I was afraid of it, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's, it's fine. It's called a medical Into. you should check it out uh but um yeah I it's not okay. I don't like it. I get very upset. I saw the trailer for the Ring Two and couldn't sleep for three
0: months. oh no See, i I love horror movies, so really? this is gonna derail a little bit, but so then, like what about so then like everything else around Halloween must be scary too then because. Especially where you live, like, out in the street, there's going to be Halloween parties, a bunch of people in costumes going around, all that's fine. I can
1: recognize a person in a mask, but (laughs) (laughs) um, like, as a kid, I remember, like, walking out and looking at the neighborhood and feeling, like, it would, like, trigger, um, it would, like, trigger... Existential thoughts about death Mm, that uh I had a hard time dealing with, which is also part of the reason, like, I couldn't sleep for three months after the. Because they would be like, and then they haunt you, and then you die. And then are you with them after death? Like, is that your (laughs) life? Is like, or are you just hanging out in a coffin every morning? You wake up in a coffin, you're like, this is my Mm. life, and you just watch the dirt seep through the wood. Like, that was like where (laughs) my (laughs) thoughts would go. (laughs) So I really, yeah, I cannot stand. I like like I understand candy, and I understand people like to spend money on costumes. Mm. um I like candy, and i'll if you pick out an outfit, I'll wear it, but uh, I don't spend money on outfits. Mm-hmm. I was just talking about this with Caitlin actually i like my go to is like Laura Croft not I don't even really know that much about her. I yeah. just know that booty shorts and a tank top and a braid, and people yeah, you get can it. pull it off yeah. Of her, yeah or even pants mm-hmm. and a tank top and a braid, and people are like, oh, Laura Croft, mm-hmm. you know? So, I have dark hair, too, so she usually does, too. So, yeah, I think it'd be fun if Mark and I were Mimi and Roger in Rent, but Mark said that's too basic. I don't know why, <laughs> he's never seen it. I don't know why, <laughs> he plays guitar. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Like
0: <laughs> huh, Int- well, okay. What about uh, Fall Treats?
1: I like pumpkin um like pumpkin bread and chocolate mm. um, and I like pumpkin soup I like the fall treats I like the fall food I'm not a Thanksgiving person I don't need turkey um but uh my head jumped to fall but I do yeah. like uh I used to be a pumpkin I used to be a Starbucks pumpkin spice girl mm-hmm. um but then I like found other I started going to like local coffee shops I was like oh this is better and then i had starbucks again i was like this is trash like this That's is like lot. hurting my stomach so i like the fall treats but uh, uh in general october i actually do this thing in my mind where my mind will go we'll forget october exists every month mm. like i'll count i'll be like september november december but then i'll remember that november and september are both like i'm like wait what i was like why is that not 12 and it mm. it literally happens every year i forget october is Wait, there
0: i think so my sister alerted me to this everybody should do this as you're listening uh see if i can explain it when you think of what month it is in your head do you what do you picture
1: i picture more of like squares and horizontal like a i think i asked you this in person once yeah today. you yeah. did yeah
0: um we're in person now i mean like i asked you this not on mic once. No, yeah, no, yeah exactly. <laughs> um cuz i i feel i view a timeline other people view like a clock and as you're listening different people are going to be like i'm that one i'm that one or that one right yeah which i had never considered i thought everybody must think of this or you just never thought about it
1: i wish there was a quiz that told us a, about ourselves about depending on which one you see
0: i'm sure there's something online yeah. yeah
1: because i want to know i feel like i feel basic though i feel like i only think of it in squares because of the calendar i'm not like a cool person who visualizes mm. beyond
0: <laughs> the who i'm where like my sister does the clockwise circle thing that's like that's a true like other way of thinking next level, kind of person, because that's not at all how the calendar looks. So, I'm like,
1: yeah, that's what. But you see a circle too, you said.
0: Mm-mm, I see a timeline. Oh, like, so you're more of Januaries like January is over to my left in my uh, head, and over to the right, far right is December.
1: I literally think squares, like mm. the days. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I wonder if the circle people are like synesthesia slash a step to synesthesia.
0: So, that. My sisters also talked about some of those things, too. So, yeah, there's something to that.
1: Mm. Katrina Davis has synesthesia. And I don't think I'm blowing it. because She talks about it on stage. Uh-huh. And she said in her head, like, she has a bit about, about numbers having personalities in her head. And she explains mm. it. And it's very funny. And one time I was talking about that in my head. And they said, oh, you're doing Katrina's bit. I said, no, this is also, I also think the numbers have personality. And then I was like, wait, do I have synesthesia? But I don't see sound mm-hmm. at all.
0: Yeah, like that one always sounded appealing to me because I don't, I'm afraid of drugs and mind-altering things have been straight edge since I was 16. So then I was always kind of like, maybe that's a loophole. If your brain is just, <laughs> is the drugs.
1: Oh, your brain is like on mushrooms by itself.
0: Yeah. Uh- that's what some people say. That's like,
1: oh my god! Now I want to find out if Marcus anesthesia
0: music people usually if they're really into it and they're in like they're able to like jam and do things very extemporaneously.
1: Oh my god, he so does. Then that's all he mm-hmm. does. He would just prefer to be playing music all like all the time, mm-hmm. like over talking.
0: I was curious too. Changing gears. Yeah, I. We did our, Pow and I did a Q&A episode last week and the question you submitted broke my brain <laughs> oh <no. laughs> because it was, it was like, and I, I tried to explain this on the episode, but I, I have to say it again because it's like one step past a freudian slip where you didn't accidentally ask a question that felt like it was for you you just asked yourself a question
1: that's so funny <laughs> honestly okay so i think i misunderstood i listened to the episode and you said cody didn't understand the assignment but also understood the assignment and i don't i didn't understand the assignment I missed the part where it was like specifically for you. I thought you wanted more questions for you to uh, ask for new guests. Yes. So I thought it would be funny if that question <laughs> came out of your mouth yeah. to a guest, but you just said it very straight face and like, why is it your mom? And just like, look at them. Like. <laughs> so, I mean, I, it is based from my writing because I'd write about my mom all the time because mm. it's an endless Um, source of material uh but i've but i've also read elsewhere that like i've read i can't remember where it was like behind every amazing stand-up comic is like in and like a mother that they can talk about forever or something like that Uh like so i was like wow that's me too Uh (laughs) like uh and i don't i don't even i'm not even mad at her like it's just Uh like endlessly fascinating to me um so yeah it I guess it was a Freudian slip, but I didn't mean it for you. I felt bad when I heard it. I was like, oh, no, I really did <laughs> misunderstand it. Um, but, I mean, you do write in general.
0: Yeah, I yeah. Mean, but I write about, like, uh, Cold War history and prisons and things. I'm, I'm sure not, there's
1: mom stuff in there somewhere. There's Yeah, there's whole
0: civilizations with mom and dad issues going at it. Yeah. So Yeah,
1: everyone can answer that question.
0: Yeah. Um, but, why do you think you write? You said just you said just in general, uh your mom is a very fascinating topic to you, but yeah. when you actually got to the work of writing jokes for stand up, why do you think you went to your mom as a pretty prominent topic?
1: Um, I think it's because, well, this is gonna sound weird when I started doing stand up, I originally started writing about my eating disorder issues, which I've never been diagnosed, but I'm like, probably, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and Mark. And then I was in a festival, and I did not get to be in Best of the Fest, but I went to the Best of the Fest shows, and they put up the brown people who could talk about being brown. Mm. And I was like, interesting. <laughs> Uh And so, but being brown for me has always been kind of a complex because I only feel brown when people tell me I'm brown. Like I didn't grow up around other Latinx people. I didn't grow up around other Lebanese people. We always were our own weird unit that moved. We moved a few times. Mm. So like we we were born all in North Carolina, which is like a very different set of brown people over there. And then um, Minnesota, which is his people. And then we went to Arizona, which is predominantly white and the latinx people are like further out. We still we still had friends, but not as many as we did like white people. And then Norcal, which is like a very interesting class system up there. And so like I didn't yeah, I didn't think about it until basically acting where people mm-hmm. are looking at you and telling you what you look like and who you are. I don't really wanna write about that and stand up. I don't think people care about what a casting director sees or doesn't see mm-hmm. unless you're Jan Carm, and then that's very funny but um, so I just kind of started thinking more about them and their story, which is really interesting like I, the answer is that her story, I think is more interesting than mine <laughs> sometimes uh-huh. <laughs> and um but like her story is also my story because I feel like. I feel like my story is the reverse of her story and that is from her own goodwill and like kind of, it's um it's like amazing that my story is so good because her story was so bad. Mm-hmm. So it, it's almost like a thank you in a way, even though it sounds like I'm shitting on you all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but like they're like, I, I do like, I am fascinated. I don't, have the grit that she had to get herself out of those situations and continue to choose to do the right thing. Like, Mm -hmm. I think there are so many people in her shoes who would have died or would have gotten pregnant earlier or would have stayed where she was. So yeah, it's like out of, I think gratitude in a way, even though she probably, I mean, she has no idea what I'm saying, but, Mm -hmm. um, and also it is like. Have you like, ever
0: explained to her though, like I have all these jokes about you or.
1: I think I've told her the first part, which is that I went to a showcase and I was like, oh, brown people, I'm talking about being brown or being rewarded because like, if mm-hmm. I were to say that, they're like, oh, you want to be rewarded. That makes sense, still move forward in life. I thought you were gonna <laughs> say too,
0: like sometimes that's sort of like another version of that. And like, I don't want to be a white guy telling like people of color what they should or shouldn't talk about on stage. Yeah but I feel like uh, one other version of that is talking about their parents, but so they can talk about, you know, their immigrant experience or to do like,
1: I did. I, and that's yeah. like, um, I did kind of talk about their like experience at airports and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, the truth is that I don't intimately know my Brown family very well. Mm. So like the, the struggles that they've, Ha- like I know her struggles pretty well and I actually don't write about the real struggles she had because I'm like That's not- I don't know if that would be funny and also I don't really have her permission to do so um, but like I've heard stories about my grandma and I was like oh I didn't know that happened until mm. after I didn't even know that my grandma was the immigrant until like recently mm-hmm. like that she moved here like yeah she moved here to marry an American who was also Mex—he was Mexican American and that's how like my like my family she's here through that like i did not know that i thought mm. she was born here i assumed that like I, there's just so much i have no idea about and even like there's so many like different stories on everything like everyone has their own version so i have like no idea so i could write about that that i like i've heard Aisha Alpha say that she feels like she's appropriating black culture because she's from Canada. So it's like different, Mm -hmm. like when they see her in writing rooms and sometimes when I'm around other like Latinx people, I feel I'm like, are they going to find out and they're going to make me leave that I'm not like them. Like I Mm -hmm. didn't grow up the way they grew up, like with in a Spanish speaking household and their neighbors spoke Spanish and Mm -hmm. like, you know, like we had tamales at Christmas, but it was like a thing we thought to do. And then like, mm-hmm. like it was like, we invited a lot of white people over to make them. So it was like very different. Like mm-hmm. our, I feel like our story is like, like um, that's honestly why I grab. I have never ran like a full Latinx show because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm lying in a way. Like, I really identify with other brown people who feel displaced. Like, like I, um, one of the most fun times I've ever had is I was, like, cast in a play in Cherokee, North Carolina, and it was about the Cherokee tribe, and there were Cherokee people in the play. They ship in us, because this, this is, like, getting into a bit, but, like, mm-hmm. we're there to help round it out, um, and if you don't know why they need to round it out, then read history, but... Um, <laughs> Like, uh, so we'd be there and, and they'd be there, but like the other Brown kids who were shipped in there, like I felt so like akin to, like we had such a good time, like just being together and like, like everyone had their own kind of story of being displaced. Like there mm-hmm. was a kid who was like Afro Latino. So he was like, black people don't accept me and Latinx people don't accept me. I have to like be my own thing. And I like really felt that in a way. Cause I felt that way mostly about like white people and Latinx people, and then just like, there was like one Filipino guy and he was like, yeah, my parents support me doing theater. Like a lot of Asian parents like can't do mm. that. Like there were, I felt like we all had this kind of special bond and mm-hmm. like, I guess that's kind of like what I try to recreate when I produce things just, um, yeah.
0: We'll figure it out. It'll be a lot of infrastructural things to figure out, but someday you, your mom on don't sit in the front get into the bottom of it. Oh my god,
1: (laughs) hilarious, that would be so funny. Maybe a Mother's
0: Day episode.
1: Mother's Day, I wonder how she'd do, I think she'd be good, she'd probably be like, what does this mean? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) She's so funny, she's really funny herself. She also truly doesn't, like she likes Frasier, she likes Friends. She likes Robin Williams. I so well.
0: I love Frazier. Yeah. Yeah. She
1: loves Robin Williams. um, And she loves George Lopez. Like we listened to so much George Lopez growing up and Mm. she would die laughing. We still quote the whole like minds and like you member and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, she outside of Robin Williams and George Lopez, she really does like she's like like sometimes me and my dad will be joking just like going back and forth and she'll be like so why is that funny like and mm. she's like
0: <laughs> <laughs> very good the uh, test of your test of your material like okay how maybe i need to make this broader or like
1: for me it's it's a relief when she doesn't know what i'm saying because oh, yeah. i'm like oh thank god <laughs> but like um but uh no but she like struggles with, like like even cards and stuff she'll be like mm. she'll buy a joke card and she'll be like wait why is that funny like and then my dad has to explain it. Mm.
0: <laughs> Well, i see yeah i see some potential i'll plant the seed now i'll manifest it mother's day 2022 uh let
1: saw it on the pod maybe she'll come to la or wait you have, you can go with dan to arizona
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh are they out there
1: yeah they're oh, in I scottsdale mm.
0: yeah um, Another
1: white part of Arizona. Yeah. Letty. <laughs> I was
0: going to switch gears into the movie uh, because I feel like that's sort
1: of- Oh, yeah. I'm excited to talk about the movie. Yeah.
0: So this kind of segues into... It's a running theme in the movie that we watched. And part of my project continuing has been to try to find the representations of stand-up in fictional forms. And there's very few movies. And whenever I look up a list of them, this movie that we watched for this week, uh, This Is My Life from 1992, directed by Nora Ephron, this doesn't usually come up in any list. And I think it's it feels like sort of a buried movie. I'm not sure why, but... I found it on one list and I was like, I've never heard of this. Um, Had you ever heard of it, Kati?
1: Definitely not. No. Yeah. I had not heard of it, but let me tell you how excited I was to see Julie Kravner on camera. Yeah. I was so excited. If you don't know who she is, she's March Simpson and the voice of Timon's mom in Lion King One and a Half, (laughs) 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 which is one of my favorite movies. Wow.
0: (laughs) Really didn't know where you're going to go with yeah. that. So Julie Krabner, uh, voice of Marge Simpson. I and found,
1: La- Timon's and mom. And Timon's
0: mom in Lion King, not two, but one, One and, and a, a half,
1: half which uh, came out after two, and is a really good film.
0: <laughs> that feels like a straight, that's a straight-to-video, for it sure. It was
1: 100%, and then they kept playing the Lion King out of promotion on ABC, which made me fall back in love with the Lion King. I oh, was uh, like, I'm watching the whole thing again. Mm. It's really good.
0: Uh, I found, so it stars Julie Krabner, um, is the directorial debut of Nora Ephron. Oh.
1: Um,
0: she had, you know, she wrote When Harry Met Sally, uh, had a list of, like, if you're not familiar with, like, romantic comedies, Nora Ephron's, like, the, the queen of romantic comedies, but...
1: She's a playwright, too, right?
0: Playwright? I was looking at her Wikipedia. Yeah. She... Interned in the JFK White House. Whoa. She had like a, I think a journalist, author, playwright, screenwriter, director. Pretty fascinating life. There's a documentary I want to watch about her now on HBO called oh. Called Everything Is Copy.
1: I'm gonna try I'm gonna watch it too, maybe.
0: But I was like, um Sleep is in Seattle is a year comes out a year after this. And then two, three years before it was when Harry met Sally. She was the screenwriter. Ah <gasps> so this is like between her two major
1: wow. hits. This and then you've got, got Males ninety
0: eight. Um
1: Where you've got male family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're we know that. Have
0: <laughs> you rewatched it in any recent
1: Um I don't think I've sat down and rewatched the whole thing. I've definitely rewatched parts of it until I fell asleep. Uh,
0: well, you realize, like. You it's rea- really
1: bad. Yeah. yeah you <laughs> but it's,
0: you uh, realize the Tom Hanks character. Is like
1: the devil. <laughs> he's like
0: a sociopath. He's also kind of like. Uh, sort of a jet. Well, he's not to the point of Jeff Bezos because ah. it's just Barnes and Noble, basically, is what he is. But. Yeah,
1: he actually would have been shut down by now. But yeah, but if he had figured out Amazon Books, oh, yeah. he would have. He would be in space right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that should be the sequel. Is Meg Ryan wishing him well to space?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you've got mail. Rewatch is. Frustrating because I don't like to see Tom Hanks as any kind of bad guy, and he wouldn't have played as a bad guy to most audiences then, but he's a dick by today's he's gender such, relations standards. It's really
1: terrible. It definitely falls in the movie where you're like, oh, okay, so another romantic movie where she's gaslit. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, cool, cool. cool, cool. <laughs>
0: They and, all and just yeah. catfished like absolutely
1: yeah. yeah. It's kind of you're like, is she okay? Like she's so happy. It's him at the end. You're like, what? What happened? <laughs> like you mm. need more girlfriends. Like this yeah. is not okay. <laughs> like,
0: I loved the the like the little quirky bookstore. It's just like a good little it's Steve Zahn. It's a great nineties movie.
1: Yeah, Steve Zahn.
0: But we're not here to talk about you. Okay, Mabel. sorry. We're here yeah, to we, talk about this we can also get life. into
1: Steve Zahn. Very interesting choice in movies. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Okay, yeah. <laughs> Um, This is my life from nineteen ninety-two, Julie Kravner, The Voice of Marge Simpson. To me, that's very distracting. And then my wife was watching it with me, and I would just like look up from her phone and be like weird, and like look weird. down at her phone.
1: <laughs> She's like, That doesn't look right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, but she plays a aspiring stand-up comedian who works in a department store selling cosmetics, and then inherits some money, moves to New York City, does more stand-up sets, and then over the course of the movie gets on like their version of the Tonight Show, this universe's version of the Tonight Show. Um but then in like a very truncated short timeline which all these movies have to do cuz like the whole stand-up journey is yeah, going to be not interest. a good story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't she's not like at those bars for t- 10 years and then gets on Tonight Show or whatever. Um, but then has like a Vegas residency,
1: right? Yeah, basically. you're like oh, okay, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but keeps coming back to the the focus of the movie though, and I found this one interesting because it actually does talk a lot more about stand up than a lot of these other movies that are ostensibly about stand up do. Mm-hmm. Interesting, because she keeps coming back to telling them she has these life lessons that she tells her two daughters, right? Um. And sometimes they're like life lessons or lessons about stand up. And one of the conflicts of the movie is that she uses things from her life as material mm-hmm. and her daughters have such a problem with that. Yeah. So I want to ask you, um, what do you what is your kind of we talked about your mom, but like you also yeah. talk a lot about your boyfriend and your stand up. What's kind of your philosophy or have you not really hammered one up for using real life as material.
1: Um I do I try not to talk about my siblings too much because uh they would definitely let me know if they didn't like it. Mm. Whereas Mark like he gets to have sex with me. So like (laughs) he like lets a few things (laughs) (laughs) slide. Um but yeah like I said earlier I don't talk about certain things that my mom has done because I know that would bother her because her life has been kind of a traumatic but and i'm also very careful about my siblings because um some of my siblings relationship with me is a little bit more fragile maybe uh so yeah i did think her oldest daughter if you haven't seen the movie the oldest daughter is a teenager you know she's got hormones and stuff it made sense to me why she was so upset Mm um so yeah i guess i do i do have um I do have, like, don't talk about these people or this subject because, you know, I want those people to still talk to me. Um, I do think I can maybe be a little bit nicer to Mark on stage. Uh Uh, Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm not even, on stage is, like, only so much. I'm just, like, following you on social media. Sometimes I even comment on your things. I'm like, leave this man alone. Leave (laughs) him alone. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Which is funny, though, because I mean, I don't know if this is true for every stand up, but if a stand up is talking about like a mom or a boyfriend, even if it does sound like they're shitting on them, I think it means they love them Mm. the most because they are thinking about them so much and they're creating stuff about them. And that means like we're okay thinking about you that much. Like Mm -hmm. we're happy to think about you that much. We're happy to say your name that much. Like. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They're one of your muses.
1: Definitely a muse. Mark's a muse. Also, he doesn't seem to pay attention to what I do. (laughs) (laughs) Or he does. Actually, I think he does. I think he creeps a lot on, which is funny because we live together. But um, there'll be times where he'll be like, Oh, I saw this person commented. I was like, You did? And he's like, Yeah, I always look at your stuff. And I was like, Oh, no.
0: So that's one of the conflicts of the movie with yeah. her daughters. But I what I think is cute or nice and in this way that I'm trying to find if movies are actually about stand up or not, or if it's just a means to tell a different story. Yeah. But her daughters are like very invested in They're like so her, invested. her material yeah. and her career. And like the eldest daughter is like obviously like kind of like a comedy nerd or like aspiring.
1: I thought the oldest daughter I really related to the oldest daughter a lot. She's um,
0: played by
1: I thought she did a really great job, whoever sh- she... Uh,
0: Samantha Mathis. And yeah. I recognized her, especially from right in that time period. She was on the hilariously bad Super Mario Brothers movie, um, which as a kid I just thought was amazing. And then a rewatch was like, oh, it's a famously terrible movie. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: The, the younger one I recognized from things, too. She actually was in Girls. She plays yep. Adam's sister which is a wild wild fucking character her her name
0: is Gabby Hoffman the actress yeah and I
1: I can't remember what she's she's
0: big at our at our household because um she was in field she was the daughter in Field of Dreams. She's one of the kids on Uncle Buck.
1: Oh that's right. We were on Uncle Buck
0: and then I think when she really sort of hit the end of her child acting phase was um, Now and Then. Do you know um, that movie?
1: Mm, I know it only because I get more girls. <laughs> right.
0: So Now and Then, I remember that we, we, there was like, it must have been on cable one summer or something. We watched it a bunch. And I think in retrospect, I think I had a crush on Christina Ricci, but. oh, Yeah, Now and Then, she's on that. That's a great movie. Um, but yeah, she's a huge like 90s child actor.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely recognized her. I confuse her. I first I thought she was the Mrs. Doubtfire girl years before, but then I was like, mm-hmm. no, I feel like this movie is like not the little, not Matilda, the older. <laughs> not
0: Ben Shapiro's cousin. That's all. Did you ever figure that out? That's how Mara weird. Wilson
1: is Ben Shapiro's cousin. He's
0: like a cousin. Or they're related. And she's oh. always like, yes, we're like the internet figured it out one day. And she's like, yes, we're related. No, no we I don't, don't agree share with them. Yeah.
1: Okay. Shout out to Mara Wilson. She retweeted me one time. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. But um, no, I didn't think she was Mara Wilson. I think she shares likeness with the older sister in that mm-hmm, movie. Mm-hmm. But. I was like, no, this is like the same time, if not yeah. after, yeah.
0: One of the notes I wrote down was like, I think they gave good performances. Oh, I interrupted you. You were saying you identify with her I identified
1: with her anxiety, especially when they were moving, that hit me, because you could see oh, she yeah. didn't want to move, and uh-huh. I, we moved a few times, and it really hurt to move. But they
0: got to move to New York City. They got to move like, to New York go City, to yeah. really, It was probably like a really fancy magnet school or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah yeah
1: (laughs) yeah i related a lot to her and then also the way she's watching her because she kind of had to parent a lot Mm -hmm. like because the mom is you know good for the mom she made the choice to have the career she wanted but like the way she watched the mom and she was nervous for the mom that she was going to do badly Mm -hmm. and she wasn't nervous like maybe there was a little oh she's going to embarrass me but she was really nervous about the mom's expectations and like that she would be happy. The mom would be happy with the expectations, especially like that first night where they're there at the club. I really related to that, to just like mm. really wanting just like any, not even just a parent, but like really worrying about the person who's about to embark on this expectation mm. and be like, especially like at that age, like just worry for them. And I was like, oh, no, we're both so codependent. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, played a little bit with the dynamic you usually see, which is this person has a dream, and then their family's just pissed at them for all of it. And Mm -hmm. like, you can't do it, don't do it. Yeah. And that's sort of the dynamic they play with. But here they're very supportive, and it's only when it gets very far along that then they're like, okay, I have problems with this aspect of it.
1: And I feel like she, maybe originally the daughter wasn't, uh, the older one wasn't supportive, but it wasn't because... It was, I don't think it was out of a selfish thing. It was, she was worried the mom's dreams would be in publicly. Mm-hmm. Like, she was worried for the mom's expectations. And then when she saw that the mom was good, she was like, oh, okay. And mm-hmm. then she was like excited and stuff. And, um... I like the part where she would come home and tell the girls what happened oh, yeah. I feel, that's like my life too. I tell Mark what happens, and I call my brother and I tell him what happens, or they'll like say I'm working on this thing and like talk about it, like mm-hmm. I do that with, to the unfortunate people who have to listen to uh-huh. it. But like, so I, I loved that part. I thought that was really cute.
0: Yeah, it was cute because the younger daughter's like, "Did you bomb?"
1: Yeah, <laughs> did you?
0: Bomb? And I was kind of so I I guess what I'm comparing this to is a uh, punchline the movie from a few years before very 80s representation of stand-up this is from i'm comparing it with that just as the closest thing temporally but it's 92 and i felt like actually what the way they depict stand-up was not so bad it's like kind of it almost felt ahead of its time or something because she's like very blunt about having to say it, and it's cheesy that it's sort of the title of the movie, but she's like, she says, this is my life, and she's like, she has to talk about her personal life as material, which I don't think was happening so much in mainstream stand-up yet.
1: I felt like maybe not so much um, talking about, well, maybe. I actually thought they did a good job of representing what stand-up was like at that time, which Mm -hmm. was a little hacky and like, Um, like she kind of reminded not saying that her stand up whatever it kind of reminded me of robin (laughs) williams a little bit like Uh the way he would go to the store and like just be very animated and big and like the characters Mm. um especially the purse bit Uh uh-huh because not that robin would bring a purse on stage but he would like go grab someone's purse and then like do like he would do improv with the purse and stuff Mm. so it kind of i felt like they did a good job of of the style of the way she talked, and yeah, the corniness, which was also kind of at that thing because stand up was like new, it was like booming. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, I thought, I thought well, that, this
0: is a weird, like, yeah, trailing off of 80s boom, but before I think it's like mid to late 90s, it's almost dead. Oh, okay, so this is right, I think, like the very end of the boom.
1: Where was Robin? <laughs> uh,
0: I think. Early 80s.
1: Early 80s? Oh, okay. That's when Rick and... But then
0: going to the big like uh, cable like um, comic relief, all that, I think, is through the whole 80s. Oh, okay,
1: okay. Well,
0: my point is, like, Nora Ephron, I don't think, didn't come out of that world, so you have someone writing and directing about a thing that they're not super in, but it didn't seem too. Yeah, it
1: didn't... I felt like she reminded me of stand-ups that I thought I would see at that time,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and I thought... I felt like what was revolu- before it's time about it was the fact honestly the whole movie felt before it's time like mm-hmm. the fact that it was about this woman deciding to have a career and have kids and also there wasn't like the opposition for her to have her career was from her kids like there wasn't like a whole like like in Mrs. Maisel where they're like "Well aren't you a woman?" you know <laughs> like yeah. "What are you doing here?" you know uh-huh. there wasn't really any of that and like maybe I mean those are set in different time periods mm-hmm. but still like you get that now mm-hmm. like at the at the comedy store if, like
0: if people haven't seen Punchline Sally Field's character her husband is John Goodman and it's wild how they play it. he's just like pissed that she's not staying home and he's cooking. he's like you he, why yeah. where's
1: my dinner yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> and they really they're just yeah they're not only mad that she's going to pursue comedy they're like you're not funny you're ruining this family it's like really wild right so i haven't
1: seen it but it sounds <laughs> hilarious
0: john goodman being
1: like i'm a bad man i'm not good <laughs> So funny.
0: but you should go back and listen to the episodes with holly annabelle brown and brad lewandowski um
1: Yay, Holly. Um, what was oh,
0: Dan, because there's no opposition from there's like, like a like romantic there's, partner because her romantic partner is, is her
1: Well, well that like, okay, hold on. <laughs> I was like watching it and I was like, okay, what's real about this? And I was like, it's real the way she talks to her kids about the next day mm-hmm. and kind of shares this happened, this happened.
0: What was interesting? definitely passes his Bechdel test. Yeah, yeah.
1: definitely 100%. Mm. Yeah. Shout out to the cast, the podcast and <laughs> <laughs> but like uh but also um they uh her the way the comedy community were her new friends mm. is was kind of real like yep. yeah cuz you do you do get a brand new set of friends if you're lucky and they are strange. The way she announced um sorry if I'm jumping ahead. She gets a manager Mm-hmm. And she shares it at a dinner with her new comedy friends, and that, I think
0: it's the Thanksgiving because oh, they're all like, yeah. they're all like Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh, they're like stuck in New York and they can't go back to where they're from. So I feel like yeah. that's kind of realistic.
1: That is super yeah. realistic. Yeah, you begin to hang out because whether you're there because you're on a show or something, or you don't have the money to go back, or you don't have family, or you <laughs> so don't you talk yeah. to them. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're there. Um, to me, what was really, really real was when she sheepishly announced she has a manager and mm-hmm. the tension in the room <laughs> between pissed, wanting yeah. to be happy for her but so mad they don't have one <laughs> was like so, so fucking real. Uh-huh. <laughs> but usually it's just you on Instagram being like, I love this for them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so the other comics are... Um... I wish I knew the actress's name because she's amazing. But she's on *Hocus Pocus*.
1: Yes. Oh man, I forgot her name. You're right. The vacuum woman, who I also—they want me to be the vacuum lady. Yeah. What, what a kinship! She's like, her have
0: secretly. Yeah. My favorite part of that movie. I yeah. Think. Yeah. She's one of the comics. Small she's, part. Yeah. Um
1: but what was not real is though she left her kids with them. I was like, I would not leave my children with other <laughs> comics ever.
0: <laughs> I like how the one guy is sort of like an alt comic, maybe. Yes. Yeah. That
1: conversation was very real. It's like I'm too sophisticated for the club going audience. It's like, yeah. do you have a punchline? <laughs> like, yeah. what is going on here?
0: <laughs> He's like working on his fish bits yeah, and then he gets yeah. to like Which, bits.
1: Oh that's the guy from Third Rock from the Sun, right?
0: you mean french stewart no isn't that french stewart no he's uh he's on no oh brother where art thou
1: that's right that's yeah, who yeah. it is yeah mm-hmm. i love him he's yeah. also in holes shout out to oh, holes yeah. slash not shia labeouf apparently we can't say that anymore but yeah
0: <laughs> um so i liked yeah so that was one of the things is that she that's realistic to you as she takes on this family like a new kind of family yeah. of comics in new york they're staying and watching her kids while she's gone, some of them.
1: Which, yeah, some of them, that was a little strange to me that I didn't understand why she didn't take her kids with her, personally. Uh, I understand their school, but if my options are leaving my kid with a rat pack of comics hmm. or homeschooling for a few weeks, I would definitely homeschool them, and I would want them near, but... Yeah. That's why I don't have children or a dog. I get too worried about things I can't control.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> their um I wrote down that their age difference between the sisters feels weird for them to hang out as much as they do, but they only know each other in the new city, which is kind of that.
1: Yeah, that's how me and my siblings are. We're strangely mm-hmm. close. Like we were the Malcolm in the middle kids. Like oh, yeah. like we didn't have other friends for mm. a while and like uh it, it was that was it was we were each other's universe. Um so I related to that. But I did think the older sister took the younger sister's comments personally a lot in a way that was weird. Like, yeah, she, that's they, maybe yeah, what I'm picking yeah, up. Yeah, she would like be offended. It's like she's six. Who cares what she says? Mm. Like, but yeah, she, maybe she doesn't have other friends or whatever. So, because then the older daughter is
0: fully in high school having sex.
1: That was, they- that I was like, where is this going? I was like, where is this going?
0: Because I think that okay, so this is how I realized I had seen this before. Wait, listeners,
1: there is teenage sex in this movie. Look it up <laughs> if that's what you're into.
0: I it is upsetting because I
1: You were like, I wanted more of
0: it. No. I under I remember I all I had a feeling I had seen it before because the the voiceover, so that's a big part of the film too. Oh yeah, the, that the was the voiceover weird. is yeah. feels hokey now and it is split between like, Julie Krabner, I want to get her the character's name once, as her, the comic that she plays is named Dottie Ingalls. Oh,
1: yeah. So cute.
0: Uh, She is doing the voiceover, and then it kind of gets, like, taken over by the daughters, and they'll, like, tell their different versions and right. stuff. So it's very, like, cheesy. You don't see that much now, but...
1: I thought that was she's even been for the time. Like you don't see that in her other movies. Yeah. And um, I was also like, it confused me. I legit had to rewind. I was like, what is this like ongoing dialogue from the other scene? Uh What's going on?
0: So I I remembered that and then I was like, I think I've seen this but I know there will be one thing that low-key like kind of traumatized me. I think I saw this way too young Uh but it's not even super graphic but that sex scene is very weird.
1: That sex scene is weird and I personally don't like like teenagers have sex, I understand, <laughs> but even if they are teenagers and their are tw- people in their 20s playing teenagers, I don't want to see that. I just I'm very sensitive about kids and sex and stuff. And I, I understand that kids do have it with each other and like that's fine, but like I don't want to see. We it. We don't
0: need to see a representation yeah. of it. it no, I, re- I remember it being very confusing to me as a kid and then like the. The boy's mom is not a sexologist, but something similar. Some and then,
1: sort of OBGYN yeah, or something like that. Yeah, like takes that. them in the other yeah. room and starts
0: explaining all of it in a medical way. And it's like, this must have been hilarious. In the I 90s. wanted <laughs> to
1: like talk about it because that also felt before its time. Mm-hmm. Like the way she's lonely. She, I also related to that being really lonely, and then all of a sudden a guy shows up, and you're like, I'm fucked. Um, but like, mm-hmm. uh, but like, um, I liked. That's uh, the sex scene was too much and like honestly really weird. Honestly, she didn't direct other things after this, right? She was like a writer for everything else.
0: I feel like she also. I think she also directed the. Oh yeah, not much. Is it right? Yeah, I thought she directed the the other big ones though, but maybe not. Maybe just the screenwriter I, for Sleepless in Seattle and I stuff. F-
1: yeah, I felt like there were definitely some weird choices. Mm-hmm. Like I liked the risk. I liked where why or where she was going with things, but it it just didn't fit. Like.
0: I thought that would be, you could play that much more earnestly or serious because then it would be like the daughter's going through a kind of big life change and event and the mom's not there. And
1: Yeah. Also, I was like, are we going to see an abortion? I was like, is this where this is going? Like, that would be wild. Uh Or is she about to be a grandma and she doesn't know? Like, is she about to get a third kid? Mm hmm um also just like that was like a cultural thing for me like the way how calm she is around her daughter having a hissy fit Mm -hmm. like because her she like was I feel like she was like a good parent in the way that her daughter would be mad and freaking out and being a teenager and she would look at her daughter and just kind of take her in and just ask like why are you being like that Mm -hmm. whereas like that was not my (laughs) My childhood, like it would be like you want to go, like it would be like on and on and on, Uh like um. So that was wild, and also the way the daughter, the younger daughter, like narcs on her, and it's like oh, she basically tells her she has a boyfriend, Mm -hmm. and then her mother goes, maybe she's in love, and I was like, my mother would have flown. Back, yep. found him and murdered him in cold sight. Like I think that's kind of white parents are wild.
0: <laughs> white parents are wild. I think it's also kind of Nora Ephron, like kind of second wave feminism. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. there's
1: that. But even it be it would be a lot for me to like write a story where a Mexican mom's like, I'm cool with you having sex. I don't yeah, know, even because she like, makes a, feminist. a point to say yeah. like,
0: oh, she doesn't come home after school. Yeah, She's with that. Boy, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the mom's just like, well, you know
1: Well, maybe it's cool. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) good for her. Like that would never have happened Mm. to me.
0: (laughs) We need to talk about Dan Aykroyd is weird in this movie. Okay. He's very
1: I found that this part was the most true part of the whole thing. I was like, she's moving up really fast. And they're like, oh, she's dating her manager. I was like, you know what? This is actually golden. <laughs> like, This makes so much sense.
0: So I, yeah, I wondered about the, how that reads today. Because there's like a, I feel, I think me, the the guy watching this, I'm like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this because there's like the. It would be like some kind of slut shaming if they were all like really mad then that she's dating someone but then it's like it's still looked down upon to pursue to move up in your career by dating the person but then it's like people are free to do what they want and it just felt like in this trap of like i don't know how i'm supposed to feel about this or how i actually do feel about it
1: yeah i feel it kind of reminds me a little bit of chelsea handler like chelsea handler has she's joked like of course i dated a TV producer, she's like, there are hundreds of girls that look like me, how do you think I stood out? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she's also like gone back and said, like, well, we had a real relationship, we were around each other a lot, like we developed things and mm-hmm. we had a real relationship and then we dated and then we stopped dating. And so, I think, I felt like it was real, I liked the way it was handled, he wasn't, he was quiet.
0: Quiet and would start eating napkins.
1: Oh, I missed that. Oh, I missed that completely. I thought I heard the girls say that, but I thought they were joking, like exaggerating things. They're
0: at Catch a Rising Star. That's the club they go yeah. to. Carrie Fisher's there as yeah. another. Oh, Carrie
1: Fisher is so weird in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As
0: another industry person.
1: Yeah. Who is actually a really great, I think, representation of industry person.
0: <laughs> strange and sort strange of strange and like telling
1: you way too much about their sex life. You're like, I don't okay, I don't uh-huh. need to know.
0: <laughs> and then while they're sitting there, the daughters realize that Dan Aykroyd's character, who goes by the Moss, his last name is Moss, yeah. he's the manager.
1: Who he doesn't seem to know he has that nickname, which is weird.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He starts eating a napkin, which is like the daughters point it out and are like, isn't it weird? And it's like, haha, he's strange. Yeah. And I'm just like, isn't that, would that be a deal breaker?
1: Um. I mean. <laughs>
0: About
1: it. <laughs> I guess my first thought is like I would need them to explain their anxiety to me. And yeah, if okay. they're like, I'm a really anxious person. I'm like, I have had my brain rewired because I'm so anxious. So I can I would be willing to listen. I would be willing to hear them out. About
0: I got it. it. So I'm being yeah. really fucked up and neurotypical. Of being no, like, I mean, Don't like, like kids. I get it.
1: I it's not a deal breaker. Deal breakers for me are like racist or. I, I. It takes a lot for me to like. I'm kidding. No, I love Mark. Uh, but like, uh, yeah. I, I would, I would want to hear them out. Um, I feel I have a memory of eating paper when I was a kid. Yeah. So I don't think it's like particularly. I feel like that. Thinking back, I remember always
0: putting like change in my mouth. Yeah, which is so terrifying.
1: That's especially now. Yeah. The pandemic. Yeah. Like, oh, you'll die. You know. But like, I feel like that is kind of in the list of things that. Are strange in this movie, and I feel like our failed attempts at comedy, maybe, maybe directing-wise, yeah. mm. like, uh, like the sex scene is like you get that's supposed to be comical, but you're also like, oh my god, they're minors, you know, yeah, and yeah. like, uh, just yeah, there's just a few bits that kind of fall flat, and I mm. feel like that also is like in the list of the bits. But I liked that she dated him. I felt like she was very in control of their relationship, it looked like. Like, he was. He seemed to be a quiet admirer of her. Yeah. And, like, I mean, maybe he was, maybe, you know, who knows? But, like, it did seem like she was in control. And, like, he mm-hmm. also seemed to be a little sensitive about telling the kids, not in a way, like, he didn't want them to know. But, mm-hmm. like, he knew that would be hard for them to swallow. Oh, I liked that. It felt like she I, you didn't ever see a sing, but it felt like there would be times where she sent him away so she could deal with the kids. And like we didn't ever see him be like, You and your fucking kids. You know, Yeah. Like, he seemed to kind of get that she was juggling a lot.
0: He's pretty harmless.
1: Yeah. For especially for a comedy dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. A
0: manager comedy dude. Yeah. Yeah. Well and then I have this thing too, where I remember seeing it as a kid. I remember the where they they go and like she comes home late at night when they're in a hotel and they go and like listen at the door. Like she's come home with someone. That's how they realize it's – they think it's the younger guy, but it's actually Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. But I have this thing where I rewatch movies now as an adult and this whole – it's like a filter of grit is gone and it's got its weird quirky 90s-ness or yeah. this cheesiness. And it had that really strong feeling of that movie with this one of like Oh, like, oh, things don't play right. It's not gritty at all. Yeah. I was just, I was four yeah. watching like a rated R or PG 13 movie. Yeah. It was yeah, like, this definitely. is crazy. This yeah. Is crazy <laughs> yeah.
1: I feel like the 80s and 90s are really crazy when it comes to kids. Cause like, there was no like idea of like, oh, parent, like, TV, I feel like is still like new in that time. Like, the mm-hmm. idea of sitting and watching for hours is like something we do now all the time. But I don't think mm-hmm. like, um, I forget she was in the Big Bang Theory and she was a big child star. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah. She said that when she was growing up as Blossom, maybe mm. she said it wasn't really that weird because people didn't watch TV as much as they watch now. Yeah. So like, I feel like movies in theory could get away with more because there wasn't like someone being like, "I don't want to show this to my kids" or something like. They
0: had no idea yeah. that. There'd be people like this right now recording a podcast about it.
1: (laughs) But I definitely feel like 80s, 90s movies like are wild. Like there are so many kidnapped children in 80s, 90s movies. Like that's just like the theme or like what Mm. they tell their parent. They're like, Don't worry, I'm kidnapped. Like in big, he's like, I'm kidnapped, but I'm allowed to write letters. And it's like Mm. we never see her like freak out. Like, also uncomfortable, uncomfortable
0: (laughs) science science fiction though, but uncomfortable uh sex between a minor and adult oh yeah super like, weird super weird yeah um i just one of the quotes she has she says i have to use my life to make things up that's what comedians do and in another way she says it is uh, one of her life lessons the the comic dotty ingles says this is a life lesson everything is material we kind of hit that before but i don't know that the movie didn't have any real like hard-hitting kind of message at the end i don't think other than that they have their big blow up fight, of yeah.
1: Um,
0: and the you know, the eldest daughter is mocking her, imitating her set, basically. Then, when they come home, uh, and then she sees all oh, they have a big blow up fight, and then they go to try to find their dad. And then it's like a quick race to finish up the movie. In it a really, really weird felt way. like we
1: ran out of money. Quick, 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 like yeah. film, 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 go by, yeah. Because I was enjoying the movie, I had a lot of like, where is this going the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess the finishing mess, because they play at the beginning, like, You're the Love of My Life song on the move to New York, and then they play it again. when
0: Super dated thing, too, of having, like, a kind of theme that comes yeah. and goes, and when anything emotional happens, the theme swells. Or and-
1: the same song, and I was yeah. like, is this a real song, or just someone screaming You're the Love of My <laughs> Life over and over again? And I was like, there's, like, no chorus to the song. Yeah. <laughs> like... Where are the verses? Yeah. Mm. Um that it was like it felt like it was before it's time but then the ending made me feel like maybe she had to compromise mm. because it was like she didn't quit her career but she did have to it was almost like she was kind of punished in a way mm-hmm. like Oh, well, this is what happens when you choose a little bit for yourself. Your kids have a very traumatic event with their dad they've never met, and he just sends them back. Mm -hmm. And you have to pick up the pieces and she's like, I'm sorry, I don't know where my head was. Ah, we'll work it out. And it's like, I guess, yeah, she she'll have she would have to work out a way to see them more because that she was gone a lot. Mm -hmm. And it was obviously very upsetting for them. But um, yeah, I thought the ending was weird. Like the message—that was my thought. I was like, I'm not sure what the message of the movie is. I enjoyed their mm-hmm. snapshot. I enjoyed a lot of their performances, um, but I wasn't like, I wasn't like, oh, like this is the message, you know. Mm-hmm. I was like, I guess she's gonna have to work this out somehow. <laughs> like
0: she is, starts to talk about maybe I'll have a sitcom.
1: Oh, that's right. About
0: my life when I worked in the cosmetics department. I was yeah, like, that's pretty realistic for the time. That of what she Would probably have done that level of comic,
1: or maybe move the kids to Vegas, <clears throat> and I'll be there.
0: They say something weird though. They're like, "Why don't you try to get a TV show? Then you'll be here." And I was like, "Maybe there's like a weird thing of there was more." TV happened. That's think never so. happened. Yeah, that's only yeah, been in LA think, and maybe movies in New York.
1: I think they were counting on people not knowing yeah. what <laughs> happens in TV industry. Yeah. yeah, I think TV's always, except for HBO and like late night, I feel like everything else is here. Mm-hmm. And even HBO, it's like, are you girls? <laughs> then you're shot in LA. No, I think Orange was shot in New York, actually, LA.
0: Mm. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I came away from it being like it was a nice snapshot um, in this whole project of mine to figure out these movies that are about stand-up. I ask the guest I have on to talk about it when I do the movie ones is what do you think it's saying about stand-up if it's saying something about it?
1: I think it was interesting because we didn't see her struggle with stand-up too much. It seemed like she really took to it pretty well and she found her crowd really fast and she found her rep really fast so that's good mm-hmm. i think if it were to say anything it seemed to say more about being a working to me it said more about being a working woman and having a family mm-hmm. just that you're always gonna have to balance that and like you're always gonna you're always a little bit alone in that and you're gonna have to make sacrifices, and it's gonna hurt a little bit. It's, that would I, be like what I would say about mm. it. It the first standup, it seemed to say it's, it's pretty cool, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like her life seemed really cool in the stand-up world. If she was single, she'd probably be more famous, or no kids, she'd probably be even more famous. Uh huh. But I guess she'd have less to talk about. But
0: yeah, I liked yeah. That it. Some of her little life lessons about everything is material. Material seemed to be a little actually leaning more into talking about stand-up than some of the other representations I looked at. So mm. I'm glad we watched it. I remember prefacing it to you being like, I have never heard of this, I thought, and yeah. it might be really bad, but let's watch it.
1: I, yeah, I was, if I'm told it's going to be bad, then I can relax. Sometimes if I'm watching something and I don't know if it's going to be bad, I get anxious. Mm. Like I'm about to be traumatized, but I don't know how. Mm-hmm. So I like to know about the trauma up front. Yep. Um. The I think the weirdest part for me though was the beginning because it was like a snapshot of her as a kid and then back and then her kids. Mm-hmm. I almost rewound it and I was like, you know what? I think we I think we get the gist of
0: it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but um, I enjoyed it. I wasn't mad about it. I liked seeing. I honestly liked it more than Mrs. Maisel mm-hmm. as a spe- as like a female stand up story. I'm doing air quotes. Mm. Um, because it feels like a lot of the mis- what drives Mrs. Maisel's story is she's different than the other girls. Like there's yeah. so many scenes where like, wait, she's like really cool. And everyone's like, oh my God, I love, like literally all the time. Like strangers, mm-hmm. like it's kind of like it gets old, like mm-hmm. that storyline gets old. Whereas I like that this was like really a, a working mom who got into, s- who found her niche a little later. And so mm-hmm. I appreciated that about this movie.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for taking a chance and watching it.
1: You're welcome.
0: Let's see. Any closing thoughts? I remember Kadi's show. This is different. Yeah. Uh, this will be the last one of the year. It's November 7th. You can go to Kadi's uh, social media, Instagram, for the link in the profile, link in the bio.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Getting it.
0: What else? Oh, I was going to say. Kadi's at Kadi, uh, at, uh, at Asad Kadi Rocks on Instagram. Yes.
1: And on Twitter, I'm at Kari Asad, and maybe one day they'll match. But until then, oops. Um, (laughs) But uh, I was going to say real quick I like the little girl's boyfriend.
0: Oh, yeah. He was (laughs) kind of cool. He was really
1: sweet and nice and was concerned. He was like, Are you sure you want to meet your dad? That's it. A plug for the boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Looked like a nice Jewish man, which I
0: like. (laughs) Let's see. I looked at his IMDb, didn't do a lot of other things that I was familiar with, but he was great
1: if you want to watch a movie about show business there's this one where michael j fox is an agent
0: and he kind
1: of adopts this little puerto rican girl and i'm just wildly attracted to michael j fox so i watched it and Mm. i like could not sleep all night but like (laughs) maybe we could watch that
0: (laughs) Uh, like he's an agent like a hollywood agent he's like
1: a hollywood agent who is just a big kid himself you know, but he represents kids, and his agent is his agency is like in trouble. And then this, he like meets this little girl on the street who's like basically kind. She's not homeless, but she has to like really make her own life mm. because her family's absent. And he's like, "Wow, this little girl has got a stage presence," <laughs> <laughs> and that's like the beginning of the movie. It, she like saves his agency. <laughs>
0: I will yes, I will hit you up in the future okay. about that. That's Maybe sounds it's wild. not
1: at all about stand-up, but it is about show business.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sort of yeah, definitely an important adjacent auxiliary discussion to be had about show business. Yes. yes. <laughs> um I think that's it. Everybody should check out kadi's social media. If you live in LA, you can find Cottie doing stand-up all over the place right now. Go to her show. Yeah, that's it.
1: Hooray. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to Don't Sit in the Front. Please rate and subscribe and leave me a review. You can follow the show on Twitter with the handle don't underscore sit or don't sit in the front, all one word, on Instagram. Our music is composed by Chris Helking, and our cover art is provided by Memory Bloom Studio. Thank you so much for listening, and just remember to always punch up and keep swinging.